0: The views and opinions expressed during this show do not necessarily reflect reflect the the policy or position position. of any affiliated workplace or employer. The views and and opinions opinions of this this
1: show show do not constitute recommendations for therapy. therapy, Please Please contact a licensed SLP for individual consult Consult on
0: on your situation. Please listen carefully.
1: What is communication? Communication is life.
2: Essential behavior of life. We
0: have the both blessing and responsibility of trying to foster another.
1: It's transmitting a thought from one person to another.
0: It's the strongest way for two people to convey information to each other.
1: The back and forth between two people. Communication is a lifeline. It's just connection with other people. Connecting people in
0: terms of ideas, or thoughts,
1: or names. It draws us out of ourselves, draws us into that relationship, you know, builds up our families. Without it, we belong.
0: Whatever it is that we do, do to express intent and achieve an impact communication is the ability to
1: express your needs wants frustrations and desires
0: to anyone that you feel needs to have that information Welcome to Speech Science, episode number 174. I'm Matt Hot, a speech and language pathologist working in the schools and in home health care with dementia and stroke rehab. Joined by the PTSD SLP in Florida, herself, Rachel Arshambo. Hey, Matt. Hello, and our voice and medical expert focusing on gender-affirming voice care in private practice in Northern California, Ruchi Capello.
2: Hi, Matt. Thanks for having me.
0: Thanks for being on air. And I have to say that it only took me two times to get through the intros today. Mm. That has never happened in 174 episodes. I am okay with that. On today's episode, we're going to look at some changes in the code of ethics for Asha. Uh, we've got our SS Pod shout outs and due process. The due process has something to do with some teachers on TikTok. Always bad. And we'll also be deep diving into a new journal. But before that, we want to hear from you. So make sure you head to our website, speechsciencepodcast.com. And from there, you can dive into our Discord. And I know both of y'all were very active on Discord this week. They had some questions about, I guess, voice therapy, Ruchi. I had to tag you in because I had no idea what was going on with that.
2: (laughs) It just brought us into some direct messages and talking about like training opportunities. I'll, I'll speak openly getting... Uh, You know, general voice and also specific voice care, continuing education can be really hard to access or knowing where to start. So I'm always happy to do some mentorship um, and discussion around that uh, as somebody who also uh, invested a lot of time in that, you know, during and after grad school. So happy to be on the discord.
0: Now, were you on discord beforehand?
2: I was, um, but but not like super actively because I don't know. I think that's just my problem. I think I just have I'm just old,
1: you know, I'm getting, you know, trying to get younger.
0: (laughs) Rachel, are you on Discord?
1: I'm on Discord because you invited me to it. And I don't get it at all, but I'm happy to be on it. And then I actually added myself to the Greta Van Fleet Discord. So now I'm a Discord professional. That
0: (laughs) Discord is like the old version of Facebook and message boards had a baby. That is yeah. how I look at Discord. Uh, I blow the minds of my middle school kids when they talk about like social media. And they're mm-hmm. like, Mr. Hot, you're too old to know what Discord is. And I was like, oh, I'm active in like 14 different Discords. And uh, they're mostly around Star Trek video games right now. So <laughs> and uh, comic books, that, that's what it is. Uh, before we dive into everything else, how has your week been? Ruchi, tell us something cool, fun, and or interesting
2: um we just um at asha wrapped up the keys to a successful private practice conference um if you missed it it's okay they're going to be re um re-offering the conference in september and we'll have fresh live chats at that time um I, I i wanted to say i was excited for to work with rachel dorsey the autistic slp um as well as bobby adams brown who is um you know, CEO. I think for Anchor Creek Speech Therapy in Northern California, we talked about being neurodivergent private practice owners and some of the challenges and and uh, strengths of getting to do that. Um, and I also talked about a little bit about uh, gender affirming voice and how to get started as a private practitioner if that's something that you want to focus on and what what's really important about it during especially this time when when things are really really uh, let's say dicey,
1: mm,
0: trying to keep that's
2: things a good way light. To put it. Um. And yeah, I mean, I definitely encourage people, you get a ton of CEUs for what's offered. And if you're looking into private practice, um, has gives a lot of really good foundational knowledge that I definitely learned a lot from as well. So keep an eye out for that.
0: Love it. Rachel, how's your week been? I'm exhausted. Oh, <laughs> um,
1: I, I actually presented this past weekend in Orlando at the 30 under 30 award ceremony. I won that award two years ago during COVID, which was a zoom ceremony. And this was way cooler. Um, and I got to uh, speak about three sentences and welcome the new class. And it was really, really cool to hear all the achievements of the new class. They are really, Amazing, and I'm honored to be in that alumni uh, class. But I was in Orlando. I saw some friends that are still in Orlando. I had a very <laughs> tired drive home the next day, to say the least. But um, I'm really happy I got to see everyone. I don't.
0: I don't want to throw you under any age bus of tech of you know on air. Mm-hmm. Are you still under 30?
1: No longer. I actually so- will be over 30. <laughs> Uh, in a couple weeks for my birthday.
0: So can you apply for 35 under 35?
1: There is none, unfortunately.
0: Well, Ruchi, are you under 35? Hell no. Okay. Um. Well, then. (laughs) All right. Well, Rachel, you're our only 30 at 30. How's that?
1: Perfect. I love it.
0: Perfect. Uh, for me, I'm in the middle of. This is the weirdest therapy week I have ever had in my 12-year career. The best way to put it is do you all remember finals week during senior year of college where you're packing your dorm but still taking finals? That is what it's like in my building right now because we are all living out of cardboard boxes because the new building opens up sometime this summer, and this is our deadline. Students are out of the building on Friday. Memorial Day is on Monday. Tuesday, the internet goes down. Wednesday, the water goes down. Thursday is the last day we're allowed in the building. Friday, they're doing an active shooter drill in the building to train. And then Saturday, the building is coming down. That is the next timeline for the building. So we are officially in the last throes of this building. And I am doing therapy on a cardboard boxes.
1: They're doing a drill in a a building that no longer... Will exist or the new building?
0: Uh, In the building that will no longer exist. So they're using it. How pointless is that? Well, it's not (laughs) for the teachers. It's to train the police officers on how to do, Mm. I guess, building sweeps or communication. They're not really giving us a whole lot of details on what they're doing, but I know they're bringing in Mm -mm. four or five departments.
2: (laughs) We saved this old building for you to train in.
1: Yeah.
0: I assume it's kind of like, you know, when the fire department gets houses donated to them and they're like, we're just gonna burn this one down to teach the newbies on how to run fire hose.
1: You know what they should do is they should have like the teachers, like a, a break, break breaking room, you know, the, yes. the, the, the windows and the things that, uh, nothing that will be carried to the new building, not the good technology, but if the windows are going down, let, it, let them break them.
0: What yeah. technology, I had a pack of VCR to go to the new building.
1: Oh boy. Mm. <laughs> but it
0: had a dvd combo
2: they need to have you they should like rent out a like a speech rv for you or something
0: i'll just drive it around campus exactly listen if they gave me a speech rv it wouldn't stay on campus it would just be me driving down 71 to just go camp somewhere
2: yeah, you can just put the PLS bear on the side. <laughs> <laughs> then they'll know which one it is.
0: I'll put it in the passenger seat and then I can use the high <laughs> occupancy lanes.
2: Yeah, exactly.
0: Oh, uh, we want to hear about your end of years or if you're in the medical side, your normal mondays uh speech science podcast <laughs> uh at gmail.com. Hey, uh, when something is doing going really well and we want to spotlight it, it's the SS pod Shout out! It is your opportunity to give somebody credit for doing something really awesome. So, in this week's uh, SS Pod uh, shout out, there's our own Rachel. Sorry, I was trying to slow my speech down as I pulled this up, and I'm only going to play a quick clip, and then uh, Rachel, you can give us the background on it. But uh-huh. this is our SS Pod shout out.
1: Even if you raise district SLP supplements by $20,000 the district will still be saving money paying a district employee rather than paying a contract company as a third party. The district is spending money on due process cases stemming from schools with vacancies where the students don't have an SLP the district will again save money from these and compensatory services by having all students serviced.
0: Boom. That is our very own Rachel, your SS pod shout out. That is you going up against your own school board demanding more money for your SLPs. I don't want to say congratulations. I want to say thank you.
1: Oh, I think, even though I'm not
0: one of your SLPs.
1: Well, it, it was a very scary thing to do. And, you know, in my position and just in general, there's this atmosphere of fear that oh you can't say certain things and when i came into this position and i heard my coworkers saying this i i truly don't understand it there there's nothing that we're saying that's inappropriate um and we just went out there yesterday and we provided public comment and this has been discussed for months now but it hasn't gotten anywhere so we wanted to put a face to the to the numbers to the names and I think they heard us and now it's recorded that people can see. And I hope that they take it very seriously because like I said in the video, if they don't increase the salary, we are losing people to end up working back in our county for a contract company, costing the district money. It's, it's a whole mess. So I'm glad we did it. I'm super, super proud of us. It was a scary thing to do, but I'm happy how it turned out. And I'm really proud of all of us for doing that.
2: Yeah, major props, Rachel. I think the whole part about negotiating is either like there are jobs that you just don't take, um, and SLBs mm-hmm. have to be hold, hold the line around that. And then it's like if you're in that situation, there are jobs that you have to advocate for that you're like, we have to serve these kids, we have mm-hmm. to serve this community, and like you have to make this something accessible for people who are uh, employees of the school district. So good on you. Totally. Thank you.
0: On the flip side of the SS Pod shout-out is the SS Pod due process. It's your opportunity to bring something to the court of public opinion. We discuss it and then we decide. Well, we'll give our opinions on it. And I guess you can decide listening uh, if you agree with us or you disagree with us. This week comes from, can I say our friends, our people that we pod that are fellow podcasters, former teachers, the teachers off duty podcasts. That would be Gabe, Tell, and Lauren on their podcast this week uh, called IEP Kids Dumb, said they don't know how some kids even qualify for IEPs, and a few other wonderful things they said on their podcast. What in the hell were they thinking or not thinking?
1: It's tough. Comedy is tough. Um I actually was sent this by a former student she's 22 or 23 years old and we had some really tough discussions while she was with me for those four years and then after she asked me a lot of questions about ESE and IEPs in general so I asked her what she thought about it and she said she was offended as someone who has um, a disability and required my services or speech services and, and as well as other services but then I also think of the location of where I was working where It was absolutely certain that there were kids who had IEPs that shouldn't have gotten it, that went privately to a psychologist or something that had these ridiculous scores that somehow qualified based on those scores that... It, it was the money that was talking. There was uh, it was really difficult in in that aspect because they were trying to get extra time on tests. They were trying to get those SAT scores boosted so that they could go to college or there were uh, waivers for the reading and math tests. So I see that part, but I don't think that's what they were making fun of they in were not. that it was more about they was it that they don't qualify for IEPs because they're so low? Was that kind of what uh, they were saying?
0: No, they were saying that if they if the students tried a little bit harder, they wouldn't have qualified for IEPs, mm. and that they weren't going to give the kids their accommodations because they felt that the kids could just try harder. Ted uh, is the pre K pause SLP or the pre K yeah. pause TikToker. Uh, I used to really like his stuff, mm-hmm. not so much.
1: Yeah, I saw a lot of other TikTokers saying that. Come on, like that. This is not how we talk about this. This is not how we address this. And I'm glad that they're hopefully being held accountable. I haven't seen like an apology or anything about it. Uh, I'm sure that they, they have been up. Half-hearted. Um, okay, I haven't been on, on social media recently. But all in all, it was n- not holding teachers in a nice light at all. That was not good. I mean,
2: it sounds like a major backslide. I mean, I was just like, are we talking Mm -hmm. about educators from like Forrest Gump or something? Right. (laughs)
0: No, unfortunately, they're right around our age, Richie.
2: Right. So, I mean, I think, you know, there are ways in which ableism has bled into all of these like institutional um, settings that we work in that we haven't really fully examined yet. And to have something like this, where it's just like, if you just tried a little bit harder when so many people are either misdiagnosed, underdiagnosed, wrongfully diagnosed, whatever it Mm -hmm. uh, and and assumptions are made in terms of like where people come from, race, ethnocultural considerations, language considerations. There's there's really not much of a place to say, hey, if you just like you know buckled up, you know, you would be able to do this. I was like, you know, then we we might as well yep. let, you know, let my parents run things <laughs> <laughs> same, same, <laughs> <laughs> right? <laughs> which which I would not advise. Um, their, in- yeah.
0: their initial apology was just a text page that they put up that said, we missed the mark. Hmm. Yeah, that's wow. that's well, not a lot. And, and in the, I was telling you guys this off the air, that this morning uh, I found some TikToks talking about the speech therapist who then deleted their account for mother shaming or mom shaming uh, a child that was two or three years old that was nonverbal uh, for them not having the kid in therapy. And I we go back to this where we talked about dirty deleting and, and we get too comfortable on social media. I think there is a sense where, and I don't remember the TikTok creator that I stole this from. So this is not my original thought, but like these kids stories, these patient stories, these adult stories Mm -hmm. that we're, we're part of the story, but they're not our stories to tell. They're Mm -hmm. not our Mm -hmm. stories to tell for clout. You know, I mean, we may want to tell each other stories about what happened in therapy because it is from one therapist to another of, oh, my gosh, can you believe I got spit on or I got bit on or someone peed themselves? Like those are intimate stories that we can share from clinician to clinician and we get it because we were there. But I think the moment that we start to tell our patient stories for clout, for hearts, for Whatever it is, I think that's where it starts to cross the line. I wish I could remember who I stole that that from, but I I totally agree with it.
2: I agree with that. I mean, I feel like patient, client, students, like perspectives and experiences don't necessarily only speak about our intervention. Like mm-hmm. these people live in yes live in real life circumstances. They live in this body. They work with this brain, mind, heart, whatever. Mm -hmm. And that is their lived experience and how much they engage in things. I've I've often said, especially when I was working in acute care, that so much of that has, I, I prep the space, right? And I offer the opportunity, but so much of the work is what the patient does. Um, and I yes. think if if any SLP goes online and says, "Oh, mom, you're not doing the right thing for this kid," and if this kid was working with somebody like me, you you can't guarantee those outcomes. Mm-mm. You don't Mm-mm. know what the potential misses are, I, and we have to understand that not everybody's going to be aware of um, early intervention service options yep. or what resources they have available, or maybe those resources weren't made available to this. Um, family for any number of reasons. Mm -hmm. And so it's just, it's just really uh, like insensitive to make those kinds of assumptions, maybe because you're trying to promote a private practice or be like SLPs or like we're speechy winners. Like that doesn't, (laughs) you know, that's not the flavor, not all the time.
0: Rachel, you're, you're the more social media savvy of the three of us. Your content is very strong. And I don't think I've ever heard you mention or tell a story in therapy. Right?
1: Every no story that I tell is ever about like conducting therapy with someone that it when I come when it goes to my presentations, though, I'll talk about conversations I had with a student after trauma, you know that I'm like, you know, they discuss that a traumatic event happened. Now, where do I go from there? I tread very lightly on how I bring that story forward. I don't try to sensationalize or put myself in a position that I'm highlighted. I'm not doing that. I'm saying, here's my recommendation. If you are working with a student post-trauma, here's how you could best work with them to make your sessions better for them, less traumatic for them. Um, how are you able to reach your goals? But it, it is something that I struggle with that I'm like, how how much of a story can I tell? How much mm-hmm. would help the situation? But we have to be very, very careful in our profession um, that we are not highlighting ourselves. Like there's a, a quote that you see all the time on speech pathology, social media, that's like, we, we get people to speak, we make that happen. And is exactly what Rushi was saying about like, the patients are are doing the work to help themselves. It's not on us. We can help a little bit. It's not about highlighting us. We need to take that away from us. So we have to be very careful, especially on social media.
0: We want to know your thoughts. SpeechSciencePodcast.com. Uh, SpeechSciencePodcast at gmail.com. Shifting gears a little bit and also just a little bit behind the scenes. On my microphone, you can hear my kids screaming or yelling in the background because we've hit that wonderful time of year uh, called Summer Break for My Children, so they don't have school anymore. Uh, Rachel, what is the sloshing sound we hear behind you?
1: Me? No, it is my dog. (laughs) Uh, Right before we just took a break to get on a different link, and my dog was staring at me for the last 20 minutes and needed some water, so I filled it up, and he has been chugging water, so everyone could hear it in the background.
0: Hey, that's okay. Ruchi, do you have random people or things or animals doing noise behind you?
2: I mean, you know, Cooper, my cat is not in here right now, Um, but uh, my husband, Blake's probably like maybe playing Worldcraft after hours and you might hear some tapping. So Just blame the husband.
0: Just blame the husband. Blame uh, the spouse. That's what we do. That's that's what we do. Ah, hey. New research is good for our field. Remember a couple of weeks ago, we, or a couple of weeks ago, a couple episodes ago, we talked about, what was it, a 17-year gap between mm-hmm. research to actual use in the field? Yes. Well, mm. the Journal of Critical Study of Communication and Disability uh, is now formed. It's an interdisciplinary, peer-reviewed, open-access journal published by Adelphi University Libraries. It's out of the Speech-Language Hearing Scientists Equity Action Collective. Ruchi, you kind of got me onto this. How did you hear about this? How did Um, you, were you involved? How did you know people involved?
2: No, I would love to be involved at some point. Um, (laughs) Dr. Yvette Heider, who's at Western Michigan University and also has um, private consulting, um, has been, I think, a major proponent for cultural linguistic diversity and so many important um, topics in the the field of speech language pathology uh, shared. Uh, She's one of the managing editors alongside Betty Yu from San Francisco State University and Reem Kamis from Adelphi University as well, so I am really interested to see um, more from the publication and get to actually like dig in and and read the articles in the in the seminal um, general publication.
0: I love it. They say they aim to provide a professional forum for sharing information on research related to social justice and speech language, hearing sciences, building community among researchers and clinicians dedicated to social justice work in the profession. One of the first articles I'm reading, and I don't have anything to talk about it on air just yet, was about the crip language. Uh, and how language, I guess, develops for a purpose. And uh, it came out of some research done at Gallaudet University. So that might be something we discuss on a future episode. But I love the idea of bringing more research into the field. We've got the informed SLP. We've got uh, speech therapy PD. We have speechpathology.com offering those CEU courses or whatever. Now we got journal Critical Study of Communication and Disability I think it's important to note that research doesn't have to just come from ASHA. We like to read the ASH articles because we get, we pay our dues for those ASH articles and we might as well use them, but research doesn't only have to come through one gate, I guess is the is way I want to put that.
2: Mm-hmm. And this journal is, uh, I think, free to access for everyone to look mm-hmm. at. And so I think, I think because it came out of, you know, um, this Equity Action Collective for speech, language, hearing scientists. There was a like a real focus to actually, you know, talk about and and dismantle these considerations that are like specifically white, monolingual, Eurocentric, ableist, you know, cis sexist or heteronormative in terms of ideologies. And we don't necessarily have a lot of like publications that are dedicated to Um, Some of the things that we come up with whenever we're concerned about we don't have enough diversity in the field or we're not actually meeting. uh, The diverse needs of uh, patients clients students that we work with and why is that happening and and what are all of like maybe foundational. um, issues in the field that we haven't really explored enough of and now having a journal that is like dedicated to that is um, really, really important that's like that's landmark history making
0: we need to get more, more journals, more articles, more research, looking at all areas of, of our field. So that's awesome. Thank you uh, for bringing that to our attention and I'm glad we can bring it to, to our lovely listeners who, by the way, make us, and did you see that stat I posted? We are in the top 5% of all podcasts. No way to our lovely listeners.
2: Very cool. That is really awesome. (laughs) I'm so happy to know that.
0: So we want to hear from you, science podcast at gmail.com. What research articles are you using? What is your journal of choice? You can also do speech uh science podcasts.com. Kind of following up right on what you said, Ruchi, perfect segue. Uh the american journal of speech language pathology did a perceptions of racism and white privilege among white graduate students in audiology and speech language pathology uh this was a survey they began and it was a follow up in 2013 by sending links out to graduate clinicians to identify do they recognize their white privilege and do they have or do they recognize the systematic racism as well as part of uh the field and this is one of those surveys where I'm, I'm kind of glad the results were what I was hoping which was that they the awareness of white privilege and racism in the field has increased over the past 10 years and most students acknowledge this privilege uh, as well as the systematic racism that is a good way especially with this new Dei initiative through asha and a lot of our community fields to First, we have to identify. We have to admit that there's a problem. Let alone even identify, right?
1: Yeah.
2: Yeah. I mean, I I think that's it's promising. I think mm-hmm. I think there is also the divide of can I recognize that this is happening, and what do I actually recognize in the clinical piece, mm-hmm. or what what's happening in terms of my interactions with colleagues who come from. Uh, Different regions, places, or have different experiences than I do. Like, does that awareness go across for? Does it generalize to other contexts? Right. right. right.
0: <laughs> <laughs> nope. I'm
2: just are we eighty? A- are we eighty percent uncued in naturalistic settings? Is what I'm asking.
0: Always. I'm only not um, racist in my clinic. Outside of right. that, I forget. No, no, not me. That was the. Yeah, yeah. The we understand. Oh. Well, and it's actually interesting because, like, one of the big pushes in my district right now is how do we find tests that are, uh, what do we call them? Uh, something and lingu- linguistically, oh, cultural and linguistically diverse uh, testing material that doesn't just look at what we assume would be good testing materials. It's a lot harder because a lot of these tests don't even mention uh if they're cultural and linguistically diverse
2: yeah i mean the only one i was like i can remember from when i did my school-based placement mm-hmm. is like the the delve or the diagnostic evaluation mm-hmm. of language oh, yes. variation yes. um and maybe they're you know and then having you know spanish language for example um versions of the um eopvt row pvt mm-hmm. um, um but like you know those are the limitations and like you know if you don't go to a a university that focuses on like do you do dynamic assessment um and like the strength of informal assessment in addition to um just being able to discuss the limitations of standardized assessment and why you can't give a norm reference score if you don't have a really strong um Mm -hmm. background in that it's just it's it's hard to replicate especially with the time crunches you experience uh, working in the school district, I imagine Rachel. but if i'm if I'm speaking out of pocket, you let me
1: know. Not at all. i I think about it. So as my job as a program specialist, we offer trainings to the SLPs and everything. And one of the trainings that we give every year is ethics and Ooh. ethics is now legal in Florida. Any of the mm. dei stuff. So it's like, oh, for my for our licenses, we require Dei to be done, but because it's in a school setting, we can't offer those those trainings to SLPs now. Is that how that works? It's. <sighs> so many things to petition and write letters about. Oh, now, since I got my advocacy done, I'm going <laughs> to go- keep going. More advocacy all the time. Absolutely. Thank you, meatball
0: yeah. Ron. <laughs> but you know, I never even thought about that with what you said before, Ruchi, about like, how does this carry on outside of what we see just in the clinic? Can it generalize into other areas? I also would love to see, so this came out, the the research was done in 2013, and that was the year I graduated from grad school. Mm. And so much more has happened and changed for the positive, like, in, like, re or not out, not outreach, but like identifying where the problem is within the last 10 years, I would love to see the next step, which I guess would be our 2023 graduates. Right. I guess.
2: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think the, I think the other part is, you know, motivation, I think is an important Mm -hmm. focus. Like, is this something that you want to do as a human being that lives in a like community that has, uh, you know, different representations and 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 diversity, or is it like you have to do it as a speech language pathologist, per your ethics. And if mm, those point. ethics get rolled back, depending on where you live, do you decide to change your mind on that? Or is it a, is it because you have personal values that are al- aligned with like focusing on equity and uh, continual learning?
0: I think the hard um, part to answer that question or not the hard, Not the hard part, the hard answer to that question is you see it so much in some of these Facebook groups. There is definitely an (laughs) age, right? But there is definitely an age I I hate to say it, but there's almost like an age divide where you go, oh, I don't think the person really likes our BIPOC students. And versus, ah, okay, I feel like that person likes our BIPOC students. Like I, I feel like there's that weird age thing
2: you mean like that there's a oh I didn't mean to cut you off Rachel go go ahead ahead. no no please go no I was gonna say um are you saying that they're depending on what generation somebody's in like being able to really support people who are underrepresented in the field
1: Mm -hmm. yeah
2: yeah um, that's a real thing. It's like, I don't want to have to learn things. And I was like, well, you right. should have learned this when you were younger. And also because we, we live in a system with of inequity, you didn't have to learn it when you're younger. But yeah. like now you do. And the weaponized um,
1: incompetence of it now It's yes. I, I can't, <laughs> I can't change now. I'm too old. I've done this forever. This is how things are. You're just going to have to work around me. That's yeah. not okay. And so basically you're not like, but then you're not qualified to do
2: the job anymore. Mm-hmm. Like, yep. I mean, and technically you should have been qualified to do it in the first place if we're talking about just general ethics of Mm -hmm. being able to do the best by your clients patients and students like there's just no way you could have like how many misses (laughs) how many misses in one's career
1: could you have if that was your mentality for so long well Um, in florida they also just passed something that your ethics do not you can deny care to someone if your ethics do not align which is going to open up on a whole other can of worms for for speech for for healthcare professions it's just like can i come to california yeah do you want to live with me yes please
2: (laughs) (laughs) we'll have a we'll have a an account that's ptsd squared then you know you and and me together yes i love it it.
0: i love it speak just take all of us ruchi just take us (laughs) all in (laughs) speech science podcast now broadcasting from the home of disneyland in california (laughs) But yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, I never even thought about that, Rachel, that like every time I hear about like previous generations, oh, like things were different, like they don't mean it that way. I always think of Betty White and I know it sounds weird, but like Betty White fought for uh, her, I, I guess, dance partner that was an African-American black man or something like that to be on stage with her on her show back when she was on air in the 50s. Mm-hmm. Or in the late 40s, whatever Betty White was a, a doll, but she was also old. Like if she <laughs> could do it back then, when things were quote different, there's no reason we can't do it now. That's yeah. the kind of stuff that aggravates me. And of course, if Betty White was an SLP, I she would be awesome. But
2: yeah, I mean it's it's uh having privilege, understanding your privilege and understanding what good trouble is, is like a necessary part. Um, If you want to actually practice well, Um, you know, I, I I have to look this up. But like, I, I remember that, you know, when Eleanor Roosevelt advocated for Marian Anderson yes. to be able to sing at the White House, why do we have like a few examples of this? Oh, um, I think I think that's the that's the piece is that either you know either you're dedicated to it and you understand the value of this and you um, the humanity in things and you want to push for those things or you don't. And also, it's just not it's not easy. It's hard. Um, anytime that I've had to advocate for anything on my end, it's, it, yeah, my neck is always out, but you know, that a nice advantage of being neurodivergent is like, you don't really feel like you have much of a choice. <laughs> You're <laughs> like, I tell the truth or I tell the truth right. or I hate myself, you know? Right. And, and like, <laughs> preach. So, preach. you know, we like, so, we like your
0: truth, Richie. We like thank
2: your truth. you. I try, I try to make it sugarcoated a little bit.
0: You're doing Splendid a great sweetened. Job. Yeah. Splenda sweetened. The the, yeah. the the journal article also does mention that there were examples of inconsistencies and underdeveloped awareness uh during the results. For example, uh, they stated there were more statements that agreed with the quote, the structure of our healthcare system disproportionately benefits white clients and families than with quote, race makes a difference in service delivery. So there are still some quote colorblind or blindness to. The the impact that race or the the thought process of race serves during therapy.
2: Do you think that's because the grad students
1: haven't practiced anywhere else? <laughs> maybe, maybe, but I mean, like I. But it's also the grad programs admitting ninety mm-hmm. yes. percent to hundred percent white yes! people who don't have that wherewithal. <laughs> they right. they have. So this article could be applied to any level. It could be the undergrad level the grad school level like are they aware of white privilege at their level that they're currently at and are they able to go above that are they able to recognize it in the level above them in the level below them It needs to be everywhere and that's what I'm not sure about it sounds like this article was or this study was asking about are they aware of white privilege Mm -hmm. in the field of, of SLP and not so much at different levels, so it, it's an interesting article.
0: Yeah. Well, I remember we interviewed Billy Fuller. He was the one that wrote the article. Now hiring black male SLPs for the Asha Journal. Cool. And his like first day in therapy, like not therapy, first day in class. They asked him if he was in the right class, and that African American mm-hmm. Studies was across the hall. Oh like and
2: that- <laughs> <laughs> well now you know if he, if he went in today they'd be like here's a gifts basket please oh. don't leave we, we, need, to need, you to- <laughs> we Billy, need you to exemplify listening. that things are actually much more like acceptable now or like accessible now for people it's wild it's I a wild world with Billy yeah you should we i'd should be, follow I'd up be with interested Billy. yeah
0: we want to hear from you are you now that we've alienated half our listeners, are you oh, part of the younger generation or the older generation? How are you addressing this in your practice or in your school district? Podcasts at gmail.com, com. Come back up from around the bend on the other side of the break. We have our What Up Asha, and then we will be looking at what we are doing in the weeks to come. You're listening to Speech Science. A public service announcement brought to you by AARP and the Ad Council. Welcome back to Speech Science, episode number 174. I'm Matt Hott, joined by Ruchi. Hi. What up? Joined by Rachel. Hello. Oh my gosh, I just thought of something, y'all. This is the first time in five years there hasn't been more than one M on the show the the r's are taken
1: over the r's are are taken over i don't like squared yes
0: i don't like this now i know how you're just coming (laughs) oh my goodness hey uh so we are talking ethics uh before we before we went to break there is a bunch of new changes in the 2023 updates to the asha code of ethics so kind of In this section of the what up ASHA, it's less angry at ASHA, it's less excited at ASHA, It's just more what we should know. Uh, And a couple different changes that don't really seem like huge deals. Language about the humane treatment of animals and research was taken out of principles one and moved to rule J, so nothing super different about that. Uh, The ASHA Office of Multicultural Affairs to revise the discrimination provisions, uh, that was worked into principle one. Nothing super stood out to me. Uh, The only thing that actually did was principle four rules T T and U. uh, They give additional time to self-report following a conviction or state licensing action and no longer require certified copies, which can be difficult to obtain. So if your license is impacted at the state level, you have a little bit more time to report it to ASHA.
1: So I just, uh, something that stood out to me is principle four rule I, relationships with students and subordinates. The revision clarifies a consensual relationship existing prior to the start of a professional relationship does not constitute an ethics violation. Oh my God,
0: I missed that one completely.
1: (laughs) I'm gonna need to uh, (laughs) clarify with Asha what they're talking about.
0: Uh, So.
2: What kind of relationship? I know. Is it an RTI? (laughs) <laughs> is it like, I saw you down the hall? Oh, You're an acquaintance, um, I give you stickers? Or is it? No.
0: Uh, hang on, let's look up what the Asha principle four is.
1: I don't like that one. Shall
0: uphold the dignity and autonomy of the professions. That's what ethics four is. Pr-
1: principle four, rule I.
0: Yeah. Well, so I, I guess uh, that's, I- I'm assuming that has to be rule I um individuals shall not engage in sexual activities with persons over whom they exercise professional authority or power that's the student so it's like grad students not under 18 students including persons receiving services oh other than those with whom an ongoing consensual relationship existed prior to the date oh okay so i could still do therapy to my for my wife i wouldn't i wouldn't either
2: (laughs) I don't think I don't think her pro, a home program uh adherence is going to be great. I I just I don't Interesting. Um, That's really wild. I mean, I could I could understand why, you know, when from a gender affirming voice perspective, Mm -hmm. it's possible that that pool is so small that you could potentially know the community and you're like, oh, this is the only person you can really provide voice services, even though, you know, depending on who it is, maybe they could see a voice uh, teacher or coach. But if they wanted, you know, insurance coverage for that service, then um, that could be something that's limited. But like, I think, yeah, I would. They would maybe want some more language around that. Uh,
0: there is some new language about conflicts of interest. Uh, professional or financial uh, could influence their objecti- objectivity, competence, or effectiveness in performing professional responsibilities. Uh, they don't really tell you what it is, but they just say they shall we shall avoid engaging.
1: And I also see um, the rule about discrimination, I know that this was a heated topic on the Facebook pages, um, yeah. that Asha had taken out culture, language and dialect from principle I, rule C, uh, and principle four, rule M. Mm-hmm. And it seems that it was, it says, however, Asha members and certificate holders strongly rejected this change during the widespread peer review, and they preserved culture, language and dialect and added accent. So... And also
2: gender and genetic information were added as um, prohibited types of discrimination. All of that's important. That's great. Throw that out. I I know. (laughs) Right. I know. I was like the baby it's gone.
0: (laughs) You know what I don't like? Oh, sorry, Rachel. No, 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 go. What I don't like about ethics is that we have to put into writing for our fellow SLPs, not to be bad people kind of touching base a little bit on what you mentioned before break, Ruchi, like some of this makes sense, like the conflict of like, but it doesn't. Oh, I don't know. It just feels very, the whole idea of the ethics feels weird to me that we have to teach people to not be a-holes to put it better. Well,
2: also when we go around the world, you talk about Facebook groups. I've like left Mm -hmm. many of them because I'm just like, I don't want yeah. no thank you yeah um like i'll talk to who i want to talk to you right. at this point but um you know how are any of these things actually enforced
0: oh and how so i have a fun story about that
2: please i want to when,
0: hear when i was an asha seal which totally sounds like a secret operative and not hmm. just a state education advocacy leader i remember that we had to vote on somebody's like it was weird it was at an asha convention in denver we were in a room and they read somebody's like ethics violation and then like they stated what their punishment was going to be and then we voted if we agreed with that punishment it was super like weird
2: So you were on an ASHA jury, essentially.
0: The person wasn't even in the room. They were just like, this person did this, so we suggest this, all in favor. Raise your hand, all against, raise your hand, and all abstaining, raise your hand. I abstained because uh, I was late to the meeting, surprise, (laughs) and uh, I had no idea what was going on, but...
2: And you're like, yeah. this is a big responsibility. Yeah, right. I um, should
0: probably take this more serious. No, I mean, but it, it definitely is weird to, to have been part of that for like two minutes, let alone consistently.
2: Yeah, yeah. So, um, there you go. So that's who
0: enforces ethics.
2: Yeah, it's not mysterious <laughs> at all. Um, but I, I, you know, I mean, I think that's I think that's the piece that you know. W- yes, it's really important that we have this. Um. Uh, we're actually in a time of anti-trans legislation, so for yes. how mm-hmm. how, people, uh, are not gonna how people are not going to discriminate against how uh, people are not going to discriminate against gender, or whether they're going to provide services, or whether they're going to help people out is like it's good up point. in the air. Um, so that's something that we definitely need guidance around. Um, and yeah, I mean, I think I think if anything, it's just a reminder that and a push that we need to be able to compassionately call each other in. Um, we true. need to. We That's need to true. have a group of people that we can trust to like keep us grounded and aware, and know that you can touch base with people to get a sense of like what needs to be done in a certain situation. Um, yeah, I agree.
0: True. Yeah, way to bring us back down to earth, Richie. Sorry. <laughs> no, it's. I never even thought about that. You're right. It has Party's to be written down. Party's dead over or, here. <laughs> it, has, it has to be written down, or we can't use it as a corrective or punishment. You're right. And I never even yeah. thought of that. Ah, we want to hear from you. Head over to our website, speechsciencepodcast.com. We'll also be hanging out in the discords a little bit, uh, which then leads me to my question for you all near as we are entering the summer months. What is something that you want to accomplish this summer? It could be therapy. It could be personal. It, I mean, if it's personal, you don't want to share it, don't share it. But like, it could be a personal accomplishment. It could be a travel accomplishment. Uh, I will go first to give you all some like moments to think. Uh, super, super suburbia of me. I have to fix my fence, put in a gate so my children don't run out into the street. And I've got dry dirt patches that I need to turn back into parts of my yard. That is my summer goals this year. What about? Oh, and also to get that ACE award again.
2: (laughs) Very nice um you know for me I think uh Blake and I need to get uh on a vacation at some point we recently got married um semi-secret elopement style last month thank you yeah it was really wonderful and so um I, I need to be able to build time for that there are a couple of things that I'm writing with colleagues that are in the works that have to get done this summer and um yeah I mean maybe also making my website that is not a simple practice website is something that I really need to do (laughs) but building in the time to actually get that to
1: go there you know takes a while anyway how about you Rachel that's what I need to do as well I need to my two main focuses are building the PTSD SLP. I have the LLC that's available. Like I'm trying to, my friend is helping me build the website um, and I want to help with that over the summer um i have a job at a pilates studio i don't remember if i've talked about this before so i had never taken pilates before but one is being built literally downstairs they were supposed to open last week but we had uh damage from from the floods that were like a month ago so that it was pushed back which will bring me to summer so i'm just trying to do like I don't know, six hours a day there, some in the morning, some in the afternoon, do the PTSD stuff in the middle and work on presentations. I am presenting at ASHA Connect over the summer. Yeah. yeah. It's my first time to California, so I'm super excited. And um, yeah, just trying to focus on those two things. That's wonderful. Nice.
0: We want to hear from you. Let us know what you are doing this Somewhere. Our intro music tonight was Please Listen Carefully by Jazar, licensed under an attribution and share Alike license. Our bump music was the County Fair Rock copyright of John Deku. Find his music at soundcloud.com slash dirt music and our ending music playing right now. It's a slow burn by Kevin MacLeod, licensed under a Creative Commons attribution license. In the immortal words of Janice Wright, always be a willow. The oak looks strong until the storm and it cracks. The willow will bend and return to form. For Willow's Ruchi, Rachel, I'm Matt. Till next time. So long, everybody.
1: Bye.
2: Bye.
1: Speech Science is edited and produced by MWH Production. Please follow Speech Science on Twitter at SpeechSciencePC and like our page on Facebook. And rate and subscribe to our podcast anywhere you get your podcasts.